Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where OP gets cheated on and then completely destroys the cheater's life. Our next Reddit post is from Roving Throwaway. Well, I was had. I'd been took. I'd been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This story is a trailer trash roller coaster. All aboard. Part 1 The Lies. I thought that I was in a slightly tumultuous but overall fun relationship for a year. I had gotten out of a 12 year relationship when I met F Boy. He was so charming and handsome, and I thought that I won the lottery. He was super pushy about saying I love you first and defining our relationship. He introduced me to his family. His niece started calling me auntie. He told me about his three kids and their mothers, and he lied about how the mother of his oldest kid hated him and she was keeping him away from his kid. But then, things started getting weird. His ex started calling him all the time, multiple times a day. They had kids together, but the grandmother had custody of them. The lie he told me to make it seem normal was they both had jobs where they traveled a lot, so they signed legal guardianship over to grandma to make schooling and emergency issues easier. Then, his ex moved to the city that we were living in for work training. She was moving to our city without her kids. When I asked my boyfriend why his ex wasn't bringing their kids into the city, the lie he told me was, they need to stay in the same school. But his kids were 6 and 4 years old, so I would think that staying with your parents is way more important than staying with your friends at that age. It was weird, but I wanted to be the cool girlfriend, so it wasn't my place to tell them where their daughter should live. My boyfriend's job was in the cannabis industry, kind of. He worked with his ex-brother-in-law going to states where pot was legal, buying pounds at a time, and then trapping it via USPS. So when he told me that he was going to Oregon, I thought nothing of it. After he spent a week in Oregon, a lot of his stories just weren't adding up. Like, his phone was always dead, even though he carried a power bank with him. Then, one of his friends started posting cuddled-up selfies with him. I quickly put two and two together and dumped him for cheating on me with this chick in Oregon. Part 2. The Truth After I dumped him, I made a messy Facebook post on his wall, which the mother of his oldest child saw, and she contacted me to tell me the real truth. He never contacts his oldest daughter, even though he has her cell phone. No one is keeping him from her. He owes $20,000 in back child support for her, as he has never once made a payment. And he moves around a lot and works under the table, so the mother was never able to collect garnishments or anything. He has a huge criminal record, starting with a crime that starts with the letter R, which he committed at the age of 15. And on top of that, a lifetime of fraud, larceny, and drug charges that I knew nothing about. His quote-unquote ex who moved to our city was actually his girlfriend of nine years, who was still very much in a relationship with him. They willingly gave up their two kids because they preferred to use drugs. He liked to use heroin, and she liked to use pills. He also has a fourth kid! He and the mother conspired to pin the paternity on some other poor sap, and it's been 17 years now that this other man has been paying for a kid that isn't his. I was his side chick, not the girl in Oregon. His family knew everything and played along in the lie, and they even introduced their 10 and 16-year-old kids in the lie. His chick in Oregon is actually his star-crossed lover from childhood. And every time they would try to be together, one or the other would end up in jail. The Oregon chick also has a criminal record. Highlights include criminally negligent homicide from a DUI where she killed her passenger, fraud, larceny, and drug charges. 
This shocked me, so I paid for a criminal background check, which is how I learned about their records. Part 3. The Revenge I profusely thanked the ex for telling me the truth about the situation. I mulled on it for a bit, trying to convince myself to simply consider myself lucky and just walk away with my dignity intact. But then he'd be winning, and I knew that I had everything in my power to come down on him like Thor's hammer. I gave his ex all of my boyfriend's info. Social security numbers, state ID numbers, current and past known addresses, etc. With all this information, she contacted her state's child support services. He now has his driver's license revoked, and he won't be able to get a new one no matter what state he moves to until he's current with all of his past due payments. If he ever gets a real job, 25% of his wages will be garnished. He now has a warrant for his arrest in the state that his oldest kid lives. He's trying to play house with his new girlfriend, so he contacted the mother of his oldest child to arrange a meeting between his kid and his girlfriend's child. The mother is playing nice and pretending that everything is fine. But when he shows up, she's not going to be there, and the police will. The cops are going to arrest him for failure to pay, and he won't get out of jail until he pays a sizable chunk of the 20k, plus bail. I gave his ex all of his info the day before his federal tax refund was set to go out. She reported him quickly enough that they actually intercepted his full tax refund, and now, for the first time ever, he's actually paid some of his child support. His past due child support is also going on his credit reports. I know the name of the business that his ex-brother-in-law owns and uses to launder his drug trafficking money, so I tipped off the IRS. So not only is he losing his steady income, but he won't even be able to get a job at Walmart due to his criminal record. And even if he does manage to find someone who will hire without a criminal background check, he'll lose 25% of his paycheck. OP, I don't have much commentary here except to say that this is some spectacular pro-revenge. Like, this isn't just pro-revenge, it's also justice because you're helping to right all these wrongs that he's done. OP, you are not kidding about a trailer trash roller coaster. This guy is straight garbage. Our next Reddit post is from Ace Red. There was a bloke who lived over the road from me. He had a little no parking sign in his front window. Keep in mind that this was a public road in the UK, so there were plenty of places to park. I parked in front of his house because, you know, it's a public effing road. He comes out and goes bananas. That's my place, and you better move your car or else. I refused, and the next morning my front tire had been stabbed. Fair enough, I can't prove that it was him, but it was him, so revenge time. I bought an old Ford Fiesta for 300 pounds. It was a complete junker, and genuinely had 14 owners before me. I waited for his wife to move their car from their space and park that bad boy right outside his house, on the public road. Again, the dude comes out and goes crazy, and I just smile and say, enjoy. I left that piece of junk outside of his place for a full effing year. The tires got stabbed, the windows got broken, it even got spray painted. Then a kid started playing inside of it, which enraged the dude even more, and I just left it there. I called the scrapyard with one day left on the insurance and laughed my tits off every day. No parking? <laughs> it would have been <laughs> it would have been so much funnier if this dude saw OP and he's like, "Hey, when are you gonna move your car?" And then OP could have said, "Well, I can't move the car because some douchebag slashed a tire, so I guess I have to just leave it there." Our next Reddit post is from Yellowfin. 
I was living in Atlanta about 10 years ago, and I won a one-year lease for an apartment at a charity auction. This made my rent only $600 a month when the market rent was $1,500. It was a good deal, and the security deposit was only $150. More on that later. A year later, near the end of my discounted lease, I sign a lease at a new place. About a month before I'm ready to move out, the leasing agent for the apartment complex stops me and asks about my renewal. We'd always been cordial to this point, but things were about to get very nasty. Are you renewing for another year? No, I have a lease on a new place, so I'm moving out. Well, we require a two-month notice, so you have to give us a notice in writing. Also, we're going to charge you the market month-to-month rate of $2,000 per month. If you don't live here during that time, it's your fault. Let me read my lease and get back to you. I work in real estate, so I know how to dig through a lease. I read the lease and set up a meeting about two weeks later. Thanks for coming back in. I hope you understand how much trouble you're in and your financial obligations. I've spoken to the corporate office about your situation, and they're willing to change your two-month notice into a fine and only charge you $3,500 since you won't be living here. Yeah, about that. As per the lease, you're required to give me notice of my new rental rates before the two-month notice commences. Failure to do so invalidates the two-month notice. We did do that. We left it under your door. I don't know if you did that or not. Either way, it clearly states a notice must be given via certified mail with return receipt. But hand delivery works just the same. Not according to the lease. I hand her a copy of the lease with the notice section highlighted. Did I sign a receipt stating that I received the notice? I did no such thing. Per section such and such, all notices must be sent by certified mail. Here's a copy of my tracking number for my notice not to review, sent certified mail. Your office should have received it today if you don't have it already. We got it, but... I interrupt her. Since my lease is over in 15 days, the one-month notice puts me half a month into next month. You can keep my security deposit for those 15 days. My old lease rate is still in effect because I was not given notice of the new rates. That gives you two weeks to spruce up my apartment after I leave and then have a new tenant in by the first of the next month. It does not work like that. Call corporate. I think their attorneys will side with me. Have a good day. I never heard a peep from them after that. I got no collections and no letters. I saved my extra 15 days, which helped me move over to the next place, and I taught that leasing agent that she really needs to learn more about the product that she has control over. The most annoying thing about this story is, I just want to point out that the apartment complex wanted to change the two-month rent of $2,000 over two months, so $4,000, into a fine of $3,500. So if they change it to a fine, that would allow them to then rent out the apartment for those two months, so they would basically double dip. OP would be paying the $3,500 fine, and on top of that, they would also be collecting rent. I'm glad you shut them down, OP, because I'm tired of scummy landlords winning. And speaking of scummy landlords, we have this story from Jovet Hunter down in the comments. I worked in property management, and they showed willful blindness when dollar signs are visible. I was an assistant leasing manager. The property owner decided that he didn't want to pay water, sewage, or garbage anymore, since a lot of properties stopped doing that. He announced that he was going to make the change on January 1st. The new manager, who had been in this business for over 20 years, nodded furiously and she said what a great idea this was. I tentatively brought up that all of our leases clearly state that we pay water, sewage, and garbage, and I thought that maybe it was illegal to just change people's leases in the middle of them. 
I said, surely we would have to wait for their leases to be up on an individual basis to change them, right? The owner and manager glared daggers at me and told me that I was wrong. Behind the owner's back, the manager laughed about how the owner was going to get sued because he doesn't know how to run his business. To be clear, this wasn't even the only issue. The previous manager was stealing from tenants and embezzling. The next week, the owner sends the manager and I to a legal consultation. I present the scenario to the attorney, and he turns white. He says, Dear God, do not do that. Please don't do that. You'll lose the property from the lawsuit. The manager looks at me with abject hatred. I ignore the manager and tell the owner. He'll be grateful that I saved him, right? Wrong. He blames me for screwing up his perfect OCD fantasy of switching over everyone all at once. This is but one piece of the feces pie that made that place up. With wealthy douchebags, it's always about ignoring anything that threatens their greedy sickness. Disgusting subhuman scum. OP, you should have just kept your mouth shut and then tipped off the tenant so they could have sued him into oblivion. Our next Reddit post is from Infinite Respect. In my young 20s, I moved to a new city to try to start my career in life. Money was very tight, but I was confident that I would get things up and running. In my job search, I came across a promising opportunity at a small firm. Instead of offering me the job, the owner said that he would like me to come in for two days and work. If it was a fit, they would hire me, and if not, they would pay me for the two days. Money was so tight at the time that I figured taking the bus to and from the job was a luxury I couldn't afford, so I walked an hour each way to get there. Money was really tight. I did good work during those two days and worked really hard, but I wasn't a fit. The owner then told me, I know we said that we would pay you, but it's just too complicated to set you up for just two days. So you'll just have to be happy you got some experience with us. The way he acted really rubbed me the wrong way. I was mad because I really needed that money. However, since I was trying to find a job, I figured that it wasn't in my best interest to make waves because word might get around that I was difficult. I did, however, decide that someday, somehow, I would get my revenge on that owner. I did find a good job that led to a great career. But I always kept tabs on the owner looking for the time and place to get revenge, and even a few times considered some more juvenile methods. About 20 years passed, and at this point, I was very senior in my chosen profession. But instead of working for a small firm, I was a leader in a very large national company that hired firms. As it turns out, we had a large contract come up that I was the lead executive on in the area that my old boss's firm operated in. Back then, bidding on these contracts was done at the firm's expense. However, to safeguard them from wasting too much money, the bidding would be in stages. Well, sure enough, the owner and his firm put in an exploratory bid. They weren't perfect for the job, but they could definitely do it, so I helped them move along to the next stage, and the next stage, and then the final stage. The easiest thing I could have done was to just shut them down right away and get a bit of revenge, but they were qualified, so I didn't do that. There was some risk to letting them go through to the end, though. Even though I was the lead, it was a team decision. And to be honest, if they had the best proposal, then I would vote for them despite my thirst for revenge. The proposals and presentations came in, and luckily the other firm was a bit better, and so we went with them. Normally, the executive lead didn't deliver the bad news in the bidding process, but I volunteered to take on the call, and that was my little dose of revenge. It was really fun to call the owner, who had no idea that we met 20 years ago, and tell him, 
We were impressed with your proposal, but it's just not the right fit. I know you must be disappointed to not get this contract, but at least you got great exposure to our process. I know that I should have used his words from 20 years ago, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. His firm must have done about 200 hours of work on their proposals, so I figured that was payback for my 16 hours of unpaid work with 20 years of interest. This story is the perfect example of that old phrase, the butt you kick today may be the butt you kiss tomorrow. And also, OP, the other thing to consider is that even though he wasted 200 man-hours proposing this proposal, there's also the crushed dreams of all this revenue this guy would have made if your company had hired his company. Because typically, business-to-business contracts are huge. We're talking six-figure, seven-figure, maybe even eight-figure. So this guy was no doubt fantasizing about landing some fat, multi-million dollar contract to work for your company, and you just flushed his dreams down the toilet. That was our Slash Pro Revenge, and if you like this content, you can sponsor my podcast to unlock extra episodes. Also, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.